Hey everyone, I'm your host Tom Shaughnessy and welcome back to Chain Reaction, a research-driven podcast that's a part of Delphi Digital. If you're not on Delphi's research portal, you're missing out on the critical analysis read by the top minds in the crypto space, so be sure to check it out. One quick housekeeping item, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. I may personally hold tokens mentioned on the podcast, and you can view our show notes below for our complete disclosures. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you about our new podcast sponsor, Delta Exchange. If you're looking to long or short altcoins with leverage, you have to check them out. They're an altcoin derivatives exchange where you can trade futures on Bitcoin and leading altcoins with up to 100 times leverage. They have strong liquidity and low trading fees, and Delta is the best place to trade altcoin derivatives. For a limited time, you can get 10 bucks as a welcome bonus to make your first trade on Delta Exchange. Head over to www.deltaexchange/tom to claim your welcome bonus. Links in the show notes below. With that, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I have on Jake Ryan, who's the founder and GP of the crypto fund Tradecraft Capital, and he's also the author of a book on crypto investing that launches in the first quarter of 2021. Jake, how's it going? Hey, doing well. How's it going, Tom? It's going great, Jake. So I think we should dive kind of into the book. I mean, before we dive into what it's all about, I mean, what led you to to want to write a crypto book on investing? Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, my my background is is in uh, computer science. I have a degree in computer science and a specialization in artificial intelligence. I, I have a paper out there that's got over 600 Google Scholar citations. And for a long time, I was in application development. I moved more into tech and angel investing about five years ago and started to invest in early seed stage equity of blockchain companies. And I started investing in Bitcoin in 2016. I saw that there was just something really amazing about this going on. And so I started to write a lot of long form articles on Medium. And uh, through the quarters and months and years, I had written, I don't know, at least a dozen long form articles. And I started to come up with an investment thesis that I thought was novel. I think we don't do a great job of explaining how transformational smart contracts could be. And so uh, I come up, I came up with a, a investment thesis that I think is interesting, novel, and really gets to the heart of what's going to be driving the future. That's awesome. So, I guess at a high level, like, can you share what you th- what you're calling this thesis? Like, I know we spoke offline a bit. You're calling it kind of the age of autonomy. What exactly does that mean? And I guess how does the smart contract idea play into that? Yeah. So, my thesis is based on a hundred years of proven economic theory, and it's that shortwave economic cycles are driven by credit. But the long wave economic cycles, those 50 or 60 year cycles, are driven by technological revolution. We've seen five of those cycles in the past 200 years, starting with the Industrial Revolution and then steam and railways and then electricity and the city's electrification. And then the fourth was oil and automobiles. And then the last one that we've seen is the age of information with the Internet. And um, a great book by Carlota Perez called Technological Revolutions and Financial Capital really dives into this whole idea really well. And, and she cites work from economists like 
Kondratiev and Schumpeter from the 20s and 30s. And so what I'm seeing is that, and I think we're, we've all seen in the past decade, that AI, the Internet of Things, and robotics are delivering on automation. And that's been powerful, but it hasn't been transformational. The last piece of the puzzle is really cryptocurrency because it allows us to store, process, and transfer value without human intervention. And so as we see these uh, technologies converge, we're going to see organizations and businesses start to build autonomous operations. And businesses that do not have autonomous operations simply won't be able to compete with those that do, because really, autonomy is the ultimate competitive advantage. And so crypto is really the mechanism that's going to be able to accrue value and really be at the infrastructure level for this next digital financial revolution. Damn, lots to unpack there. I like that. So I guess one question that comes to mind is, is the tech cycle we're in now with crypto and the internet, is the internet separate from that or is crypto part of that in your mind? I'm just wondering if it's two separate revolutions. I'm assuming it's one and the same because you said every 50 years. In my mind, there are different cycles. And so we're really in the mature phase of the fourth phase of the age of information. And so any of that software that has to do with software as a service or mobile are kind of those a long tail at the end of the internet or the end of the communication age. And so I would say about a decade ago, you started to see AI with speech recognition and with various aspects with IoT and having many sensors within the home and then precision agriculture and and all over sensors really starting to come up. And then robotics. I mean, we've just seen major uh, revolution with robotics. I think in the early 2000s, the only thing we could think of for autonomous robots was vacuuming. Like, and and that's stayed that way for years and years and years. And now we're really starting to see a a whole transformation with autonomous transportation, robotics, and uh, really a lot going on there. And so it's also the convergence of these four technologies that's really going to bring about that next revolution, that next long-wave economic cycle. I love that. Do you are you like the dystopian view that the world's going to be run by AI and machines, or are you kind of of the opinion in your book that this is a tool that we can use to help better our lives? I'm just wondering where you see the world in 50 years, like if this is a full-fledged change or if this is something that will just you know help enhance our lives. I probably wouldn't go about it from a judgmental point of view, meaning um, I'm not looking to evaluate whether it's right or wrong. But it is something that is transformational and something that's different. And I think it's going to trans, you know, it's going to affect everybody's lives. And so these things happened over decades. They don't happen over quarters or years. And so I just do think we're, we're going to see a fundamental change with, I mean, we're going to see autonomous transportation come out in the next one or two years. You're going to see 18 wheelers and high road, highway trucking be autonomous you're going to see a lot of at least jobs initially being taken away by automation. Now, later, we may be adding a lot more jobs, but I do think there's probably a dislocation in the beginning as this next wave of uh, automation and really autonomous operations as automation 2.0. With automation, you're thinking about <clears throat> some sort of body being able to 
move on some sort of prescribed path, like let's say in manufacturing, where with autonomous operations, you're really building in real-time decision-making within the body, and it's able to be in a complex field making decisions in real time towards its own uh, prescribed goal. And so that's really a fundamental distinction, and I think it's going to affect many aspects of life. Yeah, it's a good phrase, and definitely, definitely agree with that. Do you think that the current crypto realm that we have today, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the other layer ones, all the Web3 apps being built, do you think that a lot of what we have now is going to mature and kind of play into your age of, age of autonomy thesis? Or do you think that we're going to need new networks and new protocols to kind of handle that? I'm, I'm kind of just wondering how crypto today plays into your thesis or if crypto has to fundamentally change. Uh, I think both. And so really what's going to happen is I think networks and network effects have more power than typically than just a technological improvement. And so it really does take a lot of innovation to uh, overtake network effect. So it's not that it's impossible. It's just it takes a lot. And so it's at very singular times in history do those happen. You know, you can think of MySpace that that went on for many, many years before it really got taken over by Facebook. And then you can remember Google Plus trying with a much better technology, but unable to penetrate the network effects of Facebook. I can also remember the old days of AltaVista as a search engine, which was a fantastic technology, um, but ultimately being taken over by Google. And so I think these happen in fits and starts. I believe some of the players that are in now will be the players in the future. And I think some that have taken a more methodical, systematic approach and brought in innovation, brought in the idea of bringing governance on chain and really uh, had a roadmap and to think about their whole product and their whole blockchain in the future are going to be the ones that ultimately succeed. I think it's ultimately about the community and about the network and network effects and how strong that is that will ultimately decide the winners and losers. That's fair. That, that makes sense. And the other thing is, it seems to me like AI, IoT, and robotics and crypto are kind of all advancing on their own. Like, I don't frequently see them together other than in buzzword contexts. Do you think that crypto is the key piece that brings together, say, AI and robotics? Or do you think that AI and robotics will, say, pull crypto forward? I'm just kind of wondering which is the leading factor here. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess the, the market will determine, but let's let's walk through a little bit. I think we're seeing the beginning phases of real-time sensor data being available on a blockchain and being able to be bought and sold on a blockchain. We're, we're seeing that now. So we're, we're seeing IoT and blockchain intersect. We're seeing AI and blockchain intersect a bit where you can, you can buy agents, you can have, if they could be trading or many different use cases, but having AI than being able to transact or being driven by blockchain. So I I do see some new intersections of of AI and blockchain. Robotics, I think ultimately it may be that it's the intersection of robotics and AI and then the uh, robotics and IoT that then ultimately intersect with blockchain. But yeah, I ultimately think that blockchain is probably the glue because it's it's the one that we can have programmatic exchange of value in real time based on 
uh, some pro programmatic logic. And so that's probably going to be the glue at, at some level. Yeah, that's that's fair. I definitely agree with that being the glue. And the other thing that you kind of talked about, and we talked about offline, was that how companies and projects will kind of compete to leverage kind of autonomous operations. How do you view competition kind of being a driver for adoption here? Like, is this, an, is this a driver for adoption of crypto? Or do you think that they'll compete to adopt basically AI and, and kind of an autonomous future? I'm just kind of trying to dice where competition will help drive adoption here. Yeah. So in all technological revolutions, it's competition that does drive the global distribution of technology. And so you can think about one of the first autonomous contracts I can think of. I think it's they even use the word autonomous in their name is Compound. They have an autonomous contract that's out there that will invest in one of three cryptocurrencies and use one of three services for lending to get you the optimal rate at any time in real time, right? And so over time, you're going to have to compete with an autonomous contract that can always get you the best rates for certain assets. So that's allowing them to be able to optimize and, and be able to take advantage in real time all the time. And so that's going to be uh, tough to compete with uh, on a human level. Um, and so we're, we're starting to see the first ideas, the first iterations of these autonomous contracts out there. And so, yes, I think competition will drive the adoption. And ultimately, it takes 50 or 60 years uh, for that full cycle to happen. You know, that's why these, these long cycles are driven by technological revolution. It, it takes a while. You know, it's the S-curve, the technology S-curve of adoption that you've seen. And, and it takes a, a long time for that to happen. Hey guys, I want to tell you again about Delta Exchange. It's the go-to exchange for trading altcoins with leverage, and here's why. It has the highest number of altcoin futures available for trading, with several exclusive altcoin trading contracts like Engine, Basic Attention Token, and Ravencoin. It also has the highest leverage in the industry, up to 100 times, and also has the lowest trading fees. You can get 50% of your trading fees paid back to you. The platform is built by a team of Wall Street veterans, and Delta's trading platform is suitable for both novice and professional traders. View the link in the show notes below to get a $10 welcome bonus and visit the site to check out the exchange. So Jake, the question a lot of people ask about the AI future is kind of what is their role? Do you think that the autonomous operations will take over companies and humans won't have a role? Or do you think that only parts of their business will be autonomous? I'm kind of wondering you know, what happens to you and me in 25 years. Yeah, I mean, I think the human interface into this are DAOs, right? And so I think if we can start to create much more complex governance systems, much more uh, complex decentralized governance systems, uh, I think that's the interface and the mechanism that we gain consensus at the human level for what the contractor implementations will be in the autonomous contract level. But I, I think it's decades out. I think it's just more and more over time, human intervention will be less and less required. Um, no, that's I, fair. It seems like a lot of the DAOs today, though, are like entry-level DAOs, right? Like we're managing funds for Moloch DAO and Venture DAO just launched, and there's a marketing DAO that's, that's out there, I think, for Ethereum. How do we get to like full-fledged autonomous DAOs? Like it, it just seems like a hard jump to conceptually think about Again, it takes decades. You can think about AI first playing checkers. 
you know, and then being able to beat a human at checkers. Then a decade later, Big Blue and AI being able to beat a human. And then I think it was maybe 20 years later before AI starts to beat in poker and then in AlphaGo. And so it just takes, it'll take time. Ultimately, I think we're going to have a more improved, more participative experience uh, with a DAO than how it's currently structured. If you think about, I mean, shareholders agreements and shareholder votes, it's very archaic. You really get a yes, no on only some proposals that are submitted at the shareholder level. And it's it's really not complex at all. I think with networks and with DAOs and with blockchains, we're going to be able to be much more participative with our equity or with our ownership or with our with our assets. And so it's just going to take time. It's hard to see because, you know, it's a, a ways out. We're, we're in the very basic levels, the very entry levels. We're playing tic-tac-toe or checkers right now. We're not playing No Limit Hold'em or Go right now. No, that's fair. And, you know, the weird thing I think about when it comes to technological progress is 10 or 15 years ago, everyone thought they would be fully remote workers. They never would have to come in. And it really didn't happen because the tech wasn't there. But today, we're able to do that easily, right? But 10, 15 years ago, we thought in the future, like today, we'd have, you know, floating cars and global communications that work seamlessly and all over Africa and, you know, take your pick. It seems like tech is not a big deal. And then once there's a switch, everyone just accepts it and they're okay with it. And it's kind of the new way the world works. How do you kind of think about these changes mentally? Like it feels like every time we forecast it, we miss it, but we always have a new future tech-wise. I think you're right on point. I mean, I think humans do a great job at envisioning the future and they do a really terrible job at timing it. Uh, it's just too complex. I mean, it comes down to like a Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, right? You need whatever, 16, 18% of, of the world to really kind of tip the, to tip the, the scales into what the next uh, innovation will be. And, and I think uh, blockchain and crypto are no different. No, that's fair. Jake, just to close out on the book before we go on to some fundamental stuff, I'd, I'd like to ask a few questions about the book. I mean, I know you're researching it, you're writing it now. I'd love to know what's the craziest kind of thing you're approaching in the book? Like, what do you think that is differentiated or something that you think most people wouldn't agree with that you have in regards to the book? Let's see. I, I think a couple things. One, I think the idea of the age of autonomy is new and interesting. I also go into uh, what a, what I think the solution is at a monetary level. So a lot of people uh, say we need to go back to a gold standard, or a lot of people are Bitcoin maximalists. And so I make an argument that is counter trend to those, um, and that ultimately lays out a case for why multi-currencies are uh, where we're going in the future. No, that's, that's big. I mean, the debate between gold, Bitcoin is big enough, but let alone when you enter in multiple other cryptos, a lot of people get to arguing about horizontal or vertical competition. Like we have multiple chains, we have one dominant chain. It sounds to me like you think that we're going to be in an age, a multi-chain future. Yeah. I mean, first, just from the context of economics, not from the context of technology, we've lived most of the world in a, in a bimetal or multi-currency world with gold and silver. Most of the world's transactions in ancient history were not done in gold. I mean, 
Yes, you could buy things in gold, but most people didn't have gold. They had silver. Silver was much more available. And most of the transactions for everyday life happened in silver or other metals other than gold. And gold was more of a store of value. And so ultimately, you need an answer for a currency that will uh, ride with the economy and inflate with the economy and not be a hindrance to the economy. And then you need a currency that will store value well over time. And those are somewhat mutually exclusive. It really can't be the same currency. And so, um, you know, I, I outline a case for that in the book. That's fair. And Jake, when you're thinking about the book in the future, and I don't want you to you know drop your secret sauce because I want people to read the book, but how do you position people to kind of prepare for the age of autonomy? Like, do they go back to college? They learn to code? Do they buy Bitcoin? Like, what's the, for like the normal masses of people, how can they prepare? Or is this something that they really can't prepare for? Well, let's see. I guess, I mean, the book publications with Wiley, it's a professional improvement book, and ultimately it's a crypto investing book. So part three of the book is how to invest in crypto assets kind of a methodical approach or a way to think about investing in crypto. So that that ultimately is the answer. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, good. So there is a way that people could uh, could take part and they won't get completely displaced. Right, yeah. There's uh, there's skills to learn from the book. Gotcha. And just zooming out, Jake, I mean, what's the hardest areas to research for the book? I know it's broken down into three sections that you talked about. You have money in the long-term cycle, the age of autonomy, and then crypto investing. Like, what's the hardest part to research and write at this point? <laughs> right now, I've, I've read a bunch of books, but now I have to go back and reread them because I need to be able to cite them well. That's hard. The other thing I think is just the history of money. It's, it's super complex. And so to be able to lay out a case. Now, a lot of people have done that well in books that have come out in the last few years. And so I think it's just culminating uh bringing all that information together and then distilling it in a, a, a new way, or at least a, a, another cut that just, it takes time. So I'm on a clock. And so that's probably the hardest part. No, that's fair. And one point you brought up earlier was you talked about when we, we started the podcast on shortwave moves being driven by credit and long waves kind of changes being driven by technology. What happens when these two happen at the same time? Cause I feel like it's got to happen it's got to be there eventually, right? It's painful. Yeah, I think uh, I think the depression were kind of the end of one of the long cycles and a problem with credit back in the 1929-30 to 37 or whatever. So I think it can be really problematic. So this is interesting as well because the, the solution, uh, part of the solution of the age of autonomy is to address finance and money. And so they, they are somewhat intertwined with the credit cycle. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, I think there can be dramatic impact. Yeah, it's kind of funny. A lot of people in crypto don't spend enough time, I think, on economic theory or monetary policies and global debates around that. I feel like most of it's focused on the tech, unless you're unless you're like a full-on Bitcoiner. I feel like then you're spending a lot more time on the economics. Right. Yeah, I agree. So zooming out, Jake, how do you envision crypto playing into this in the future? Like, are you of the opinion that we'll get to a fully decentralized world with fully decentralized computing stack and storage and everything along those regards? Or do you think that we'll eventually kind of grow back to centralization? 
I think we'll always have both. I mean, decentralization, it's a check and balance decentralization, but I think we'll probably need both and both are applied at particular levels. I think where we end up doing disservices if we apply centralization or central planning on too large of a body of people. And so I think where it becomes advantageous is if you can use uh, decentralization or loose federation in the architecture at the higher level with more people and then use centralization or central planning down um, at an appropriate level. I don't think there's just going to be one or the other. I think they'll compete and they'll find their place in the in the world and where they should be applied. I think both architectures have value. It's just the application of where those architectures uh, should happen. And that's in in the marketplace, in the economic world, in the technology world, all around. There's definitely room for both. And Jake, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the summit that you guys are leading. You You said it's January 17th and 19th, and it's a huge conference focused on autonomy. What do you guys doing here and and what is the goal of the conference? Yeah, well, it's not huge yet. The Futurama Summit, which was a global summit that they had in Ibiza and Dubai and uh, around the world, is really changing its focus towards this idea of an autonomous future. And so we are having in Tulum, January 17th through 19th, kind of the key leadership or people who want to play a kind of a key early leadership role come together and the and the focus of the the summit is the idea of autonomy and the age of autonomy. We talk about it as autonomy 2040 seeing that autonomy 2040 would be kind of the maturing a time period where it'd be the maturing phases of this this long wave cycle. And so we're being we're bringing together speakers and attendees from other spaces than just blockchain like this conference isn't just blockchain people talking to blockchain people. We're having people from AI, from robotics, from the IoT world. We have people coming from the money world or uh, World Bank, things like that, come together under one umbrella and un- under one concept to kind of be the, the beta version for what we see is a, a new community and hopefully a new summit series that goes on uh, into the future. And so this beta conference is we're having in January and it's in Tulum and I'll be a a keynote speaker there. That that sounds fun. Yeah, I'm going to link to that in the show notes below. And my other question on the AI side of that conference and just in general, do the AI people in the room, like the Google side of it that created AlphaGo and, and the next version, are they all aware of crypto and what it can offer for, say, machine-to-machine transactions? Or do you think that it's still kind of an area of research for them? Wow, that's hard to say. I mean, I can't speak for AI as a community like that. But I would say there's, there is definitely a set of AI organizations, people, and businesses who have intersected with blockchain and definitely know the power. And I know that some are definitely looking at it. I think everybody's aware of blockchain and they're kind of figuring out their their place in the world and where they'll see their own uh, intersection if any yeah i mean i'm thinking over to the google alphago movie and i the craziest thing about that was at the end when the program starts rewriting its own code i mean that's years ago at this point that's crazy isn't it i mean just i mean real time continuous improvement i mean that's that's hard to compete with 
Yeah, you really, you really can at that point. So Jake, this has been incredible. I'm looking forward to the book. I'm going to link to it below. Also looking forward to linking to the conference. Is there anything that we missed in our discussion that you wanted to chat about? No, I think it was great. Great discussion. Um, yeah, the, the conferences, you can find more information at autonomy2040.org. That's autonomy2040.org. You can apply if you'd like to come. And yeah, book is out in about a year. And you can talk with me on Twitter if you're interested. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the book. It's It sounds like in 2020 and 2021, there's going to be some really high profile book launches. You know, there's a, there's a bunch coming out, so definitely interested in pre-ordering it. Jake, I want to thank you for your time and, and, uh, and coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Tom, for having me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode out soon.